Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. Well, uh, so this is the season of Thanksgiving, but this is going to be the strangest Thanksgiving I think we've had as a nation. You know, in the midst of the COVID crisis and unrest and all the, and now shortages of toilet paper again. Have you been to the store lately? You know, it's like, it's, it's like we went back to the beginning of this pandemic and now there's no toilet paper. I mean, it's like, really, people? Come on, calm down, we need to do that. Anyway, uh, I love Thanksgiving, how about you? What's your favorite part? All right, so I, I surveyed a lot of people this week. Tell me, what's your favorite part of Thanksgiving? The number one answer was pigging out. So that's a sin, that's gluttony. Okay, just saying, number one answer even among Christians. I can't wait to pig out, man, and go into that turkey coma in the afternoon and, and rest. Okay, so the number one thing you love about a federal holiday that was enacted for this nation to give glory to Almighty God, to give God thanks for the provision, the number one thing you're looking forward to is the turkey. You know what that makes you? You are what you eat. Just saying, I'm not looking at anybody. <laughs> The number two answer, I, you can guess it, not at Black Friday. You know what I'm talking about? The deals, right? Folks, we need to bring uh, thankful hearts into this Thanksgiving season. We need to give glory and honor to God, and this nation used to do that. In fact, we have established this was born a Christian nation. This holiday should be all about giving glory and thanks to our mighty God who loves us so much and has blessed us with so much. Of all people, we are the most blessed people in the world. You know, I love the Christmas of fall, too, but where, where, where'd fall go? <laughs> it's, it, it was cool this morning. Now all of a sudden it's getting hot. And it's a time of anticipation for what is coming. What, what other... Uh, uh, biblical holidays do we have coming up in December? There's only one, Hanukkah. <laughs> Christmas is not a biblical holiday, but we do celebrate the coming of our Lord. He emptied himself and became a man. So really we have two, Hanukkah, the Feast of Lights. And folks, that points to the church. Do you know it was at Hanukkah that Jesus declared to the world, I am the Messiah. Light has come into the world I am the light of the world, and it was at the Feast of Lights, Hanukkah, that Jesus did that. So we'll talk about that in December, and it's also when he emptied himself and became a man, and we'll talk about that as well. We have so much to be thankful for. You know, a hundred years ago, people didn't have all the comforts that we have. Air conditioning, central heating, refrigerators, stoves, all these things, even indoor plumbing. Many people did not have that, and in fact, still do not have that. If you, believe it or not, have running water and can flush toilet paper down your toilet, you are more blessed than 90% of the world. 
Think about that. If you have a refrigerator, not to mention a microwave and a stove, you're more blessed than 95% of the world. If you can attend church without fear of harassment, arrest, and torture, you're more blessed than almost 3 billion people in the world today that will be persecuted if they proclaim publicly faith in Jesus Christ. If your family income is over $10,000 a year, you are wealthier than 84% of the world. You're in the top 16%. If your income is above $50,000 a year, you make up the top 1% of the world population. So I don't care about the, the, the direction our nation is going. Folks, we are strangers and aliens on this world. Our home is in heaven, and we are ambassadors of God's kingdom. So we don't let politics, COVID, or any other trial that comes our way or storm that afflicts this nation rob us of our peace, power, and joy that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? We need to remember and give thanks to the Lord. We are truly blessed. But why are we blessed? And why were we blessed as a nation? We've talked about it because in the beginning, this nation truly was one nation under God. We have been so blessed, and we lead the world in almost everything because in September of 1620, a small ship called the Mayflower left Plymouth, uh, left England carrying 102 passengers. Soon after that, that first winter, over half of them died. When they made it one year to November in 1621, they held their first Thanksgiving feast. It was 51 uh, white people and 60 American Indians that celebrated that feast together. And they gave thanks to God for sustaining them when half of them had died the previous year. Folks, I don't know about you, but I believe they were true Christians. The pilgrim who led the group on the Mayflower wrote this, We came to this new land with great hope for advancing the kingdom of Christ. Guess what history books say? They came to this great land to seek their fortune in the new world. Vastly different narrative, isn't it? In fact, all the Christian roots of our nation have been systematically taken out and removed from our history books. This nation is blessed because this nation was born a Christian nation that feared God and honored God and gave thanks to God for the multiple blessings he's given us. The first uh, Thanksgiving proclamation in 1676 said this, quote, unquote, that the Lord may behold us as a people offering praise and thereby, thereby glorifying him, persuaded by the mercies of God, we may all, even this whole people, offer up our bodies and souls as living and acceptable service unto God by Jesus Christ. Okay, that's what this nation was founded on. We've come a long way away from that. In fact, Ronald Reagan, in his Thanksgiving proclamation in 1972, he said, from Moses at the Red Sea 
to Jesus preparing to feed the multitudes, the scriptures summon us to the words and deeds of gratitude, even before divine blessings are fully perceived. President Bush said this, all across America we gather this week with the people we love to give thanks to God for the blessings in our lives. We are grateful for our freedom, grateful for our families and friends, and grateful for the many gifts of America. On Thanksgiving Day, we acknowledge all of these things and life itself come from Almighty God. In fact, every president gave thanks and glory to the one true creator God of the Bible during Thanksgiving, except one. Obama said this, in the same spirit of togetherness and thanksgiving that inspired the pilgrims, we pay tribute to people of every background and every belief who contribute to their own unique ways to our country's story. Each of us brings our own traditions, cultures, recipes to this quintessential American holiday. Whether around dinner tables or soup kitchens or at home cheering on our favorite sports teams, but we are all united in appreciation of the bounty of our nation. There's notice one thing missing there. It's giving thanks to God. The whole purpose we have Thanksgiving. No, he just gave thanks to us. Wow, you're a great people. You came together. You did great things. We used to be called the melting pot. Remember that? When you would immigrate here as a whatever you were, Russian, Mexican, German, uh, 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 Middle Eastern, what, wherever you're from, you would come here and guess what you would do? Melt into American culture and become an American and stand up for the flag and stand up for uh, the national anthem and that patriotism and becoming an American, the great melting pot. We no longer have that. And folks, the Bible is clear. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Folks, this nation needs unity. This nation, once again, needs to do what this holiday was intended to do and give glory and honor and praise to Almighty God. Not the humanistic praise that Obama all of a sudden changed what this nation was all about. Trump's Thanksgiving proclamation last year said this, on Thanksgiving Day, we remember with reverence and gratitude the bountiful blessings afforded to us by our Creator, and we recommit to sharing in a spirit of thanksgiving and generosity with our friends, neighbors, and families. He goes on to say, as we gather today with those we hold dear, let us give thanks to Almighty God for the many blessings we enjoy. United together as one people in gratitude for the freedoms and prosperity that thrive across our land, we acknowledge God as the source of all good gifts. We ask him for protection and wisdom and for opportunities this Thanksgiving to share with others some measure of what we have so providentially received. You see, I believe regardless of Trump's buffoonery, I hate to say it like that, but he can be an arrogant jerk, let's admit it. He had a respect for this nation and the godly Christian roots of this nation. 
and his policies were godly, even though he is a little bit of a different kind of character, and we still pray for him. I pray that this nation would get back to its Christian roots. It was all about giving thanks to God through Jesus Christ. The First Continental Congress, November 1st, 1777, said this in their National Thanksgiving Day Proclamation. For as much as it is indispensable duty of all men to adore the superintending providence of Almighty God, they may join the penitent confession of their manifold sins, whereby they have forfeited every favor, and their humble and earnest supplication that it may please God through the merits of Jesus Christ, mercifully to give and blot them out the remembrance of sin, that it may please him graciously to afford his blessings on the governments of these states. Folks, the fact of the matter is when people say we were not born a Christian nation, I think the Continental Congress knows more than they. And this was their proclamation. They went on to say so necessary, necessary for cultivating the principles of true liberty, virtue, and piety under his nurturing hand and to prosper the means of religion for the promotion and enlargement of that kingdom which consists in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We were born a Christian nation. We were blessed because this nation feared God, honored God, and in God, they put their trust. We have abandoned that, and folks, I am afraid that this nation is headed for destruction. We need to rise up and be the remnant bride of Christ, the salt that seasons society. We need to be Christians that stand for truth, not to get the world to like us, but to show the world how they can change to be blessed by God once again. We need revival in this land. Patrick Henry, you remember him, part of the Continental Congress. He said, give me liberty or give me death. He said, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often. And that's why I'm bringing this up again. That this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. It was founded not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Make no mistake about it, we are blessed and should be thankful because we served God. In Psalm 33, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. But for many people, their God today is the dollar. For many people, their God is their savings account or retirement fund or who knows what else. Whatever they put before God and put their trust in more than God, that becomes their God. Oh, yeah, back in the biblical times, they would make an idol and worship it. Well, today we have idols of various forms, and we put so many things before our relationship with God. And that's why the Bible says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all your needs will be met. We read also, Delight yourself in the Lord, make him first priority, and he will grant you the desires of your heart. You see, I believe God is looking for a people that run to him, that trust God with everything. But we do know this, money talks, doesn't it? Isn't there a song like that? Money talks, 
It can't sing or dance and it can't walk. It, who sings that? Neil Diamond? Is it? It sounds like Neil Diamond. I'm sorry, I, I, that's why I don't sing. Uh, and, and, and what is on the currency is usually the motto of that nation or to give glory to some man or some king or some ruler or someone who did things. I love that our money still says what? In God we trust. Isn't it interesting that so many people put more trust in their money, yet the money itself cries out, no, put your trust in God. Bank accounts will fail. You may lose your job. You may, uh, who knows what, but God will never fail you. God loves you. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you're still breathing, you have purpose to be here. That's why Jesus said Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. So, folks, i got to tell you, every suicide, every overdose, and we have a lot in Orange County. As a firefighter chaplain, most of my pages are kids who overdose. They're looking for peace in drugs or other means when that peace that they're searching for can be found in Jesus Christ. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. We are so blessed. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, God gave me this verse when I graduated Bible college, and I said, Lord, I'll go anywhere in the world you want me to go, 1985. I said, I'll go anywhere. Just lead me. I will follow. And all of a sudden, 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 just popped in my head. I didn't know what it said. So I turned to it, and it says this. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous ready to share, storing up for themselves treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Jesus said, where your treasure is, what? There your heart is. So he said, store for yourselves treasures in heaven. How do you do that? By obeying the word of God. You know, every time that you're tempted and you reject that temptation and choose to please God rather than yourself, you are blessed here, and there's some sort of treasure in heaven being built up for you in there. Isn't that great? I mean, when I was growing up, they say you earned another uh, ruby or, or precious stone in your crown. Well, we don't get literal crowns, but anyway, somehow we store riches in heaven. The Bible says this, Trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will lead you and guide you. So the question that God significantly put on my heart for us today is this. Do you trust God with our nation? With the election? We read two weeks ago, it is God who places kings and rulers in their position to accomplish his will. So whoever becomes president, we pray for, we support, we have to. The Bible tells us to. 
we might not like it. You know, Paul wrote that when Nero was uh, emperor. What did Nero do to Christians? He burned them at the stake. He killed them. He threw them to the lions. He made spectacle of Christians. But thank God he did because it was that persecution that spread Christianity and 300 years about a little more later became the, the, the national religion of Rome. Interesting. And that's when Christianity became complacent and compromised. Are you trusting God with your children, with your spouse, with your job? with the city that you live, with our county, with our state, and with our government. You see, God ultimately has a plan. We know that in the last days, it says it, difficult times will come. And in the midst of that, we have a God that will sustain us and hold us and comfort us and give us strength for any battle we face. Almost every great man in the Bible faced challenges much more difficult than you or I. Some Christians think, well, man, I'm, I've been a good Christian. I've paid my tithes. Why are these trials coming? Why are these things happening? I've been such a good Christian. I might as well give up, and many people do. But note this. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have what? Tribulation. But take courage, I overcome the world. In this world, you're going to suffer. Jesus said, all who desire to live godly will be persecuted. Paul wrote this, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. He was probably the most godly Christian around. He said, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so, and far more labors, and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews the 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep, in the middle of the ocean. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food and exposed and cold. Apart from such external things, there's the daily pressure on me of the concern for the churches. Paul even became suicidal. Did you know that? In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, it says, For we do want, not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. What's he saying there? We were burdened and, and, and so excessively that we wanted to die. One of my friends on Facebook reached out, just said, I'm done. Folks, if anyone that you know says that or if you say that, that is a cry for help. 
and you need to help that person because they've come to the end of their rope. And the enemy, the liar, the deceiver that we talked about as tactics last week, has planted that thought, it'll be better if you just kill yourself. I don't know if this is some, for someone online, but I want you to know God loves you. You are precious in his sight. And that is a lie from the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I can assure you this, if you run to God and you strap on the armor of God, which we'll get back to talking about next week, and you fight the devil because he's trying to kill you, you will come through this, and not only come through it, you will be blessed, you will have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you will have a new beginning. Don't do that. Paul despaired even of life, but he goes on to say in verse 9, Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. If you are struggling with deep depression or anxiety, or suicidal ideations. Folks, that is a call for you to do what? What did Paul say to do here? Do not trust yourself. You need help. The enemy has ripped your reason out of your head. You need to go get help right away and run to God for strength. Do not trust yourself, but to God, Paul said. Then he said this in verse 10. And God delivered us from such a great peril of death, and he will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope. We hope in God, nothing else. If your hope and faith and trust is in God, number one, he's going to pull you out of that mire of depression and that suicidal ideation, and he's going to give you peace. Set your hope on God, and he will deliver you. Amen? Paul trusted and praised God in the midst of every trial. 2 Corinthians 4.8, Paul said, We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, perplexed, but not despairing. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, though our inner man is being renewed day by day. And that's the work that the Holy Spirit does in us. He replaces fear with faith. He replaces doubt with hope. He replaces anxiety with peace. God is our deliverer. God is our comforter. Verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he goes on to say, For the momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Why would anyone want to give thanks in the midst of trials? Paul did. It could be that Paul walked so close to God because of the trials. Remember, Paul had a, a sickness that he prayed three times for God to heal him. What was God's answer? Hey, my grace is sufficient for you, but you have this sickness to keep you humble. Meaning, if you didn't have this sickness... Whatever it was that, got, that kept Paul humble and seeking God, if you didn't have that, you would be an arrogant jerk and not accomplish what I have purposed for your life. You see, God allows trials for growth. 
it could be many Christians in South Orange County can't experience closeness with God because their trials are really trivial. You know what I mean? It's like, what, the struggle's real. Oh, I broke the nail. The struggle's real. You know, um, our air conditioning went out. The struggle's real. When, when 85% of people in the world don't even know what air conditioning is, they look at us and think, what is wrong with you? Mike always says this kind of stuff. We're so blessed. We hot, we turn the air conditioning on. Cold, we turn the heater on. Now we have heated seats. Some of us, mine broke. It's a real pain, you know? On, on those chilly mornings, I used to like to do that heated seat, but it's an old truck, so who knows? In the midst of trials, Paul had a thankful heart. It's time for us to start counting our blessings rather than our burdens. It's time for us to be thankful to a mighty God that we were so blessed to live here, that we were so blessed to not experience what mo most of the world experiences. We know Paul in Acts was beaten and thrown into the inner prison. And I love this story because he was beaten, think about it, and about midnight he's chained in the inner prison where all the PE of all the other uh, uh, prisoners went down to. So it was stinky, it was dark, he was beaten, he was in pain, he was chained and yoked. And he said, God, I've served you. Why did you allow this to come to me? Why are you doing this to me, God? No, he didn't say that. What did he do? About midnight, he sang praises to God and gave glory to God. And in the midst of that trial, God broke the chains and set him free. I can assure you this, if you're complaining for the little trials you're facing in America as a Christian, Lord have mercy. No wonder he's far from you. Folks, we need to give glory and honor to God through the good times and the bad. We need to glorify God all the time and trust him. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And by the way, not just endurance, that's cheerfully enduring. You know, a lot of people, well, you don't know the trouble I've seen. Woe is me. But pastor, do you have a minute, man? I, I you know, and oh, I, I just, uh. now, Occasionally, we all get to that point, right? And we need encouragement. But when you endure with Christ with real faith, you still have joy in the midst of trial. A joy not based on your circumstance, but based on who you are in Christ. And you get that fruit of the Holy Spirit. The people around you say, wow, how come you're not more upset? And I say, because God is giving me peace. God is giving me joy. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be mature or perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What was Paul's secret? 
on how to give thanks. And, and this week of Thanksgiving, I believe God wants us to become a people that praise him no matter what. No matter what trial or battle you're facing. And next week we'll get back into the armor of God and fighting those battles, which we can actively do. But we need to give glory and praise to God in the midst of trials. In Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 11, Paul gave us the secret on how to have peace in the midst of storms. You got it. <laughs> Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. Step number one. Lord, I don't know why you're allowing me to go through this trial, but Lord, I know you've got a plan and a purpose for my good and your glory, so I'm going to trust you through this storm. I am going to be content. Paul was content in all circumstances. He goes on to say, verse 12, I know how to get along with humble means, that means poor, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him, through Christ, who strengthens me. You see, Paul kept his eyes on Christ. Paul kept his eyes on the heavenly kingdom. Paul kept his eyes on being an ambassador in a lost and hurting and fallen world. For some Christians, their faith is so weak that every little trial, they threaten to leave church. Every little trial, I mean little trials. I've had it, God. You're not answering my prayer. I quit. Folks, that's why the Bible compares us to athletes and soldiers more than anything else. We armor up, we work out, we fight, we strive, we build up our spiritual man, and we put down the man of the flesh, and we live for God. And when the trials come, we thank him, like James said, and Paul did. And every example we have in Scripture, true men of God, whatever trial they faced, even Joseph, when his brothers threw him in that pit, because they couldn't kill him, but they wanted to, and then they sold him to slavery. Did he complain? God, why did you do this? No, God had given him a dream, and he trusted God as a slave, as a, a falsely imprisoned person who was falsely accused. He never complained, and God blessed him. It's time to stop grumbling and acting like little children and to grow up and act like soldiers and athletes fit to do great exploits for the kingdom of God, trusting God with all our heart. Thanksgiving, when we give thanks to God in the midst of trials, every time brings peace. For me, if I don't feel the peace of God, I get alone with some worship music, and I'll read the Psalms, 
and I will worship God, and I will stay there until I feel the Holy Spirit comfort me and strengthen me. Sometimes it's been all night. But I can assure you, when I get up, the Holy Spirit has recharged me, renewed me, reinvigorated me, and given me the strength to handle whatever trial or battle I'm facing. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, all the trials, all the battles, by prayer and supplication, and here's the, the key, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This Thanksgiving season, I know God is just looking for a people that will give them thanks. Hey, Lord, thank you, whoever wins the election. Lord, thank you for this coronavirus. It's been a time for families to come together and grow together. It's been a time for us to really get right with you. We focus on the blessings, not the burdens. Thanksgiving was a time to praise God for his guidance and provision in this nation. To come before God as a nation and give thanks to him for the many blessings we enjoy. We need to run to God for refuge. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Jesus talked about the wise man and the foolish man. And he said, essentially, anyone who hears my words and acts on them is compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And when the storms came and the floods came, and that diagnosis of cancer came, or chest pain came, or you lost your job came, and the storms of COVID came, or whatever storm or battle came, you stood strong on Christ. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. The foolish man was not like the wise. He didn't heed the words of Christ. And when the storms came and the rain came, his house fell apart. And I can't tell you how many so-called Christians fall apart in the midst of even little storms. It's time to put our house, our life, solidly on the rock, the sure foundation Jesus Christ. He will hold true in whatever storm you face. Why be thankful? What time? Oh my goodness, it's 11 o'clock already. <laughs> oh. I'm going to end with this. Worship team, come on up. I had, I had about 30 minutes left, but I guess the rest of it was for me. I hate when that happens. Man. You know, when we're thankful, we shine like stars. Do you know that? In, uh, yeah, Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Do everything without grumbling 
or disputing. Note this. Do everything without grumbling. Oh, I have to do this again. Lord, why am I sick again? Lord, why? Lord, go, don't do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Note this. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Folks, we give thanks in the midst of whatever we face because that makes us shine and that makes people say, what is different about you? How can you have peace in the midst of all the tragedy that's happening in the world? Because I know my God and he sustains me and holds me and fills me and gives me peace. The Lord's here to do that. As we sing this song, let's really close our eyes, worship the Lord. Man, if you want to stand and raise your hands, do that. But let's give thanks to an almighty God. Amen? God bless you. restores my soul, satisfies my Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week. I love your word, I love the way it comforts me, strengthens and restores my soul, satisfies my needs.